on bullshit. Really good at telling when people are bullshitting you. What qualities give that away? I mean, I wouldn't say being a bullshitter is a quality. Yeah, I would. I think it's maniacal. I mean... Everybody bullshits. You can't really help it. It's not something that we have a choice in. It's not something that well, that's we, a, that's the difference. we can actively choose to do it. That's the difference between a lie and a white lie. A bullshitter believes the white lie aspect and the outward perspective of a bullshitter is a person who believes the person's just full of shit. Well, I, would, I think I would say that the white lie, the bullshitter doesn't believe it but wants people to believe it. And a non-bullshitter doesn't necessarily want others to believe it. It just happens to be a situational thing that they put themselves in. Or if you're really good at it, I guess, then you bullshit people or bullshit yourself or make yourself if believe. If you're really good at bullshitting people, people can't tell unless it's another bullshitter. You can't bullshit a bullshitter. Oh, but you can well, you can if the other bullshitter is not as good quality as your bullshit. It's what we infamously call our internet, internet trolls. Well, they've refined their tactics over the years, that's for sure. Well, in real terms, through the internet type aspect, most people who are real bullshitters and trolls online wouldn't be able to face and do the things that they do in real life. Mm-hmm. They know that they're protected. Oh yeah, they, they can get away with it. The keyboard warriors, as they called, when face simple facts in front, are being confronted with that simple facts of being a bullshitter, or being shady, or being a backstabber, or just a horrible person that lacks some type of empathy or humanity to some level or degree. Then uh, you either have one or two things that happen. That's either that person is caught off guard; they don't expect it. They respond either in a defensive stance or in an emotional stance or they shut down or in the opposite a bullshitter who feels that they're safe when confronted in, in, in person who has that ability to still try to maintain that strength and that positivity again would split up into being able to fully still believe that they are in control or in power because they feel that the person still can't have the mental capacity or the ability to understand where it is that they're coming from and they still have that overruling strength or that positivity that keeps them enforced to continue to do so. Or they apologize and try to correct the issue or deny that that wasn't their intent and what they were trying to broadcast. Hmm. You think we try to bullshit ourselves? I believe we try to bullshit... Yeah, we bullshit ourselves. Actively lying to ourselves, knowing that the outcome is not going to be what we say it is well, to what's ourselves. That, what's that word that exists? Uh, pathological liar. Hmm. There's some people who are so full of themselves or so... They believe in what they feel is right so well, even though they may very well know that it's not okay, that they believe <coughs> their own lies, and then the other people begin to believe those lies so you think it's possible to be a pathological liar to yourself but not to others yeah huh yeah 
I would say I'm Especially trying to, to protect yourself to some degree. Or you're so unsatisfied or unhappy with the choices you might have made or are going to make. Again, mm-hmm. it comes back to that, that white lie aspect, too, of, of that indifference of what you believe to be right and what you believe to be wrong. But I'm sure most bullshitters don't really think about that extra step. They, people, everybody believes that they're right. Mm-hmm. Or people get off on the fact that they like making other people miserable because they're not happy with their lives. Well, yeah, people do do that. Mm. <clears throat> what would you say is a a recognizable pattern of that? A bullshitter, huh? A liar, a pathological liar. Lacking of empathy or humanity in some degree to be able to be consciously commutative in some, I don't know, retortive, positive. But lacking empathy and being emotionless can't be the single, you know, variable that dictates a bullshitter because people could just be not wanting to talk to people and, you know. Well, I mean, for Not example, I mean, whatever. it doesn't mean they're bullshitting people. You have, I mean, in my experience from people who are bullshitters, some people truly believe that what they're trying to express that they know may very well be wrong to get what they want out of that other person because mm-hmm. they feel that that bullshit that they're providing or that lie or that force that they have that drives them to achieve something that they have been rewarded with or so they continue to do so. Right. Or that person is fully aware of that what they're sharing is bullshit, but I don't know. I mean, uh, as a person who grew up with being surrounded by lies and seeing and observing and understanding and then understanding what it takes to be that person, which then wouldn't even talk into, it wouldn't even be now devised such or represented as such as bullshit or even a pathological liar, but more of a, um, I want to say masochistic outlook, but it's not. But I believe some people truly have that mental troll within themselves that helps them feel like they have some kind of control over rather that within themselves to believe themselves that if they do what they do for as long as they, that they do it then it will become reality almost like a dream <laughs> or that even though that they know what they're doing is wrong and the other person they feel is probably ignorant and they're still going to achieve something out of it even though they themselves either do or do not mind bearing that type of action hmm it's a thing we face all the time. Um, what do they call it? A bluff face. A bluff face. Yeah. <laughs> Your poker face. Uh-huh. Yeah. It only truly takes a person with true empathy and true cognitive thought and human interactive communication or a person who themselves has been a bullshitter can truly recognize those signs. Yeah, growing up with my father, I had that quite a bit, actually. I would go around with him, and I would watch him talk to other people, because he did construction work for houses, and 
just additions to things, internal repairs, stuff like that. Um, and I would watch him walk around and bullshit people constantly. Like, we'd go up to Home Depot and he'd go in and talk to cashiers and stuff and he'd be so suave and and well, that's casual to female clerks and this and that and you know that's... how he would act to different people like that but then he would come home and he'd be a completely different person he'd come home and he would be a, a raving asshole and yell and scream and well that comes back down to me control. treat my sister like having, an angel because he wouldn't hit her having and, control out in the real world and not having control at home at home yeah so if there's no control at home but control out in the real world a person has to go through a few hurdles or a few, I don't know, fuckets huh. to take that demeanor that they represent themselves with outside and integrate that into their inside life. And if a person gets away with it constantly for as long as they, they do, it becomes a natural everyday no. tactic. It's, it, I believe it's even subconscious at that point. It's the point where they, it's they're so good at it. At yeah. that point. They do it so well, they've done it for so long, then it's always worked out that yeah. it's a thing that they just it's naturally a do. defensive reaction because they get used to dealing with it and they know that it's so painful to accept that reality or be hurt by that reality if you weren't ready for it. And at that point, it's easier to keep on the bullshit masquerade party. Everybody wants their form of control, especially if their life isn't going the way they want it to, or that they feel that they're missing some level of appreciation, or acknowledgement, or praise, or power in some lower degree. I'm sure there's plenty of jobs out there that actually require people to be that way in order to perform the job correctly. I mean, imagine the kind of painstaking bullshit that happens to people who do those uh, telecom jobs. Oh, goodness. I, I could To represent a company by stating, you know, something that is right in front of you in, in the script. are like soulless. Mm-hmm. And you have to put that poker face on through, I mean, you're not technically in front with person with a person directly, so it's a little bit more comfortable to be just able to speak mm-hmm. from a script or bullshit the other person on the other line in order to try and convince or achieve something by doing what it is that you need to do and the right. people who make the most money or well, what's that thing uh, that you get um, some of these jobs for example they don't hire you by the hour they hire you by the commission yes. uh, yeah. they strive for that commission so the, yeah. the better bullshitter you are the more convincing you are or the more you're able to sell the product the more you're able to convince the other person in, in a business sales tactic sense rather legitimate illegitimate or uh, false advertising in some level or degree which I'm pretty sure if not 90 maybe 95% of the population has experienced at some point or some level or some degree so there's even entire jobs just solely built around bullshit the principle of it yeah hmm do you think that bullshit is something that as a society we need to continue being the society that we are or do you feel that bullshit is a hindrance to genuine progression? Uh, if you're talking about it in a, in a survival financial stance or in a empathetic, more humanitarian sense? In a general human being sense. As, as a planet. I think a lot of people just don't give a shit society, because there's so many. I mean, like, for me, for example, like, I, I lack a lot of empathy when it comes to human life. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, I value human life, but I feel because of our overpopulation and our 
fighting and our disease and our corruption of the planet and our, our, our presence as people to each other and to the world that our, our stance with our individualism is so corrupted and so all over the place that sometimes it's just you you become empty and dead inside to certain things because at the end of the day well, everyone's truly looking out for themselves yeah of course and you know you uh, you care about animals being hurt and stuff like that but your your feelings on people are different in that matter and that's you know that's because, a clear result of people burning most you animals are driven through instincts to the need to procreate eat the lack of choice that, that leaves them that unaccountable they're ruled by a certain type of rules that are built into their existence because they lack that option of choice because they don't have the mental capacity to choose. Where humans, we are so intelligent and so appreciative of what we are able to achieve, what we think, what we feel, how we broadcast those emotions, whether good or bad, and the choices that we make, whether good or bad, everyone believes, everyone believes to some level or degree that they're always good, that, that what they're doing is right mm. versus wrong. But no one can really define all those things. It's just like, I don't like the word normal. I know that. To me, normal isn't a thing that should exist. Normal isn't a proper facet. It's normal cannot be defined by people. Because normal, normal isn't... Normal you can't define is the normal. Same, you can't. Normal is the same as average. And if we were to take the definition of it, it's the, it's the statistical average that means out to an average set. So when we say average, when we say normal, we're talking about the sum of everything together that creates an average. And it's just a mathematical number. It's, just, it's, it's purely a statistic. Average and normal are statistics. So see, when people say, I, I want you to be normal, I need to be normal, you, they don't know what they're saying. Because they're asking you to be like the majority of everyone else. Well, that's, I, that's how I've always heard it. I have an example it, that's Which is what I've mind. always hated about it, personally. I find it hilarious, actually, uh, growing up in my younger years. I've never been a terribly bad-looking person. I think I'm, I'm average, or what you would just now define normal. Yeah. Um, I think I'm, I'm, I'm decent. I'm good. Uh, comparative to how I would try and compare myself You're to other individuals. Don't, don't tell yourself story. And I've had instances in my life where I've ran into very attractive <laughs> individuals and some of those very attractive individuals that I find myself attractive to or other people may find overly attractive to. What we would broadcast <coughs> is a person who is superior above that normality. Right. And I've been able to drag attention in my way. And then I've had instances where I've maintained that type of interest, that acknowledgement, that praise, or whatever you would want to define it to be. And say I'm standing in a bus, and there's this, I would say, in my preference, I'm not too keen on uh, overly weighted women, because that's just my forte. That's, that's where my attraction stands. Okay. Is. And I would define a person who was a little bit more overweight or uncaring of their body or their fitness or their well-being in, a, in an outward, broad, outward stance to be unattractive or deemed no attention. And I would be sickened or illed or, or unattentive to that acknowledgement. And if I did acknowledge it, I would acknowledge it through my own mental, physical sense going, oh. So wait, wait. So you wouldn't be even politely... Oh, I would. Happy if, you know, a bigger girl was just like, hey, how you doing? 
Like, I'm not oh, saying no, that. I'm not saying that. I've given I've given those types of equal chances. I've always had an open door thing. But where I was going with that was that, like, from the attractive sense to the unattractive sense, I've had praise from the unattractive sense, which then would build into my uh, my subconscious, my acknowledgement, my praise, my self worth, and then be be treated differently by a person I feel was unattractive who would treat me like I'm unattractive. And then you stand there and you get the stupor of, huh, why, why did someone who's una- who I view as unattractive view me as unattractive? And then openly yeah. express that instead of keeping it to themselves. I've had that happen. It's, like, you it's know, someone weird... I find unattractive just went, ew. And I'm just like, you don't fucking know me. Why the hell would you say that? And that's the weird effect is that you don't want that reaction to happen to you and they don't want that reaction to happen to them. Mm-hmm. So two forces happen and it's like magnets. What happens when you put the, the, the same side of the magnet together uh, next to each other? They push away. Opposites attract, same as <clears throat> don't in that regard. <clears throat> and if both people don't like themselves to a degree, I mean, you say you, can, you consider yourself to be a, an averagely handsome fellow in that regard, but you still have your own... You know shortcomings that you deal with mentally in your head. Yeah, I believe everybody does. And everybody does too. Same with that girl Some. on a bus that's that's well over two hundred pounds, and she's dealing with that in her head too. But she's trying to stay beautiful, and she's trying to maybe she's trying to go to the gym and work out and stuff. Maybe she's not. Maybe a week ago she decided that she is changing herself for the rest of her life, and two years from now she's going to be the most drop dead gorgeous sexy person and the well, most like, person for like, a weight loss um, thing that happened. Like another, nobody knows. Another example: you could uh, when American Idol was really big, you had all these kinds of people that come in mm-hmm. who were so sure that they were. They had something valuable. To be fair, American Idol was the 15 minute of fame moment for everybody. That's why they lined up. But I mean, you you got to think of the the amount of mental courage the person needs to go through in order to convince themselves that they are able to do that, to perform to that level or degree. To convince themselves that that regardless of how old they are, that are really sure of their shit that shouldn't be necessarily. But to me, American Idol was just the next Hollywood craze. Instead of instead of spending money to move out to Hollywood, you spent money to get as an audition on American Idol. I mean, yeah, America's Next Talent or whatever the fuck those shows were. They were just like that's where it comes down to. You don't ever really truly know a person because even if you failed, you got on TV. But then then you define what is what is okay and what is not okay. Uh, you have people out there who have their. Or was it uh, the Gundam style thing? You never knew that that was going to get famous. That was just something fun and uh, goofy that was being promoted. The, Specifically done what's, by Psy. What's the Fox say? Like, who what would have anticipated something yeah, so silly? That was so done by two night dumb. show talk hosts, and it was done as a music video for their show. They didn't think it was going to go viral the way it did. Mm-hmm. Same with Psy and Gundam style. He's, he made that specifically for South Korea see, and then, for his audience there. You really need and then dig. one of his members was like, yo, you should put that on YouTube. And yeah. he was like, that's crazy. Okay. And he did. And it, I, I, I was there on 4chan the week that that showed up on 4chan. The first week it showed up and everyone was like, you all need to see this crazy shit. <laughs> and we were like, this is some really crazy shit. Like, what the hell? There hadn't been any video like Size Gondam style yet. And it was just left field and so in your face and just holy shit. And then months later, it became the most watched video on YouTube in history. We didn't know it at the time. We were watching history happen. No. 
I'm sure there'll be plenty more of those things in the future, too. Oh, yeah. I mean, they've, they've been blowing up, but that's the point. You don't know what's going to happen and what's going to turn into what. So thinking back and remembering when the first time I saw that side video and everybody was like, this is so fucking ridiculous, we need to pass this along. And then you do, and then you find out later that's the most watched video in the internet history. Wow. That you were there when it was the, mo- the least watched video in the internet history. And then you watched it grow. Like, it's cool to be a part of moments like that, too. And that's just another example of the fact that we don't know where things would end up. So we bullshit ourselves because we don't like where we are, we don't like who we are, we don't like what we're a part of, and we constantly want to see ourselves in a different position, in a different place. So if we bullshit ourselves, we're bullshitting ourselves because we're lying about our current circumstances and we want to be in a better position. And often we bullshit others because we don't want them to know about our position either, but in doing so we currently sabotage ourselves and others by not allowing ourselves the truth to see the truth around us, to know that we're not in the position that we need to be in to get where we need to get. Instead of lying to ourselves constantly, trying to think that we are, trying to tell ourselves that we're almost there when we're not, and we're not doing anything about it. In the same regard of, of how you said the whole thing with looking at someone and, and judging them before you ever get to know them purely based on like a, a physical attraction level or something like that, just because you don't know that person. I mean, yeah, we can't really control the gut reactions that we have, biologically speaking, for things that we find relatable for mating purposes as a, as a human species, sure. And in that regard, I suppose we can't really control our own defensive reactions to try to keep ourselves sane, which I guess is what bullshit really is in the end of the day. It's, it's a lie, but on the on the on the bright side of it it's a lie that is done to keep ourselves more sane well i believe uh the wittier the individual the more experienced the individual the more pain that the individual endures or experiences or observes the more yeah the more they build that foundation around them to become maniacal or pathological or i don't think most people could truly ever handle that kind of pain that's why they have to bullshit themselves Mm -hmm. Otherwise, but then they have things that exist, such as the drug abuse, mm-hmm. um, yep. empty habiting, traveling, um, cheating, person person. Yep. Yeah. Um, because they can't, they can't do that extra oomph because of these dormanting fears or these what ifs or people just don't care. Some people just lack that ability to look outside the box sometimes. I believe it's an it's a it's a two way spectrum. It's one or the other, and sometimes people are stuck in the middle, and they'd rather just opt and go with the flow and see what envelops. Or again, some there are some people out there that just envelop themselves in that that trade or that uh, power of control because they don't have control over their real life or yeah. over the things that they really want to have control over. So it makes them feel better. It balances itself out. Everything in life, I believe, comes to a balance. Balance is important. <laughs> And people, people have much more control than they truly believe, and some feel that they just don't. So they need to find something to to help them feel that they do. Do you think it's relatively healthy to have a, a, a safe or moderate level of bullshit in your life? Yeah. <coughs> I mean, if you are an empathetic individual who does view, view people respectively and openly... But to some level or some degree, you're either disgusted or annoyed or, I don't know, whatever it is that, that just grinds your gears, 
And instead of being that asshole of, you know, a.k.a. Xander Cage, you ever been punched in the face for talking too much? A lot of people don't have that, that empowering, <laughs> open expression because they, 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 they fear what the repercussions will be if they truly express themselves in that manner. Or they have enough respect for that individual to not try and be that much of an asshole. Hmm. There's, there's yeah. so many spectrums you can look at. People like that are either completely banking on their assholeness to get them through the end of the day, or people like that are so sick and tired of other people's bullshit, they're not willing to eat any level of it, no matter what comes in front of them. Yeah. And you, if you find it in, in the adult life, people who act that way normally don't have friends, they don't have life, they're not loved or liked or they're considered annoying or you ever watch that movie um what's his fucking face the guy who did the mummy series he's not in the uh, Hollywood Dwayne industry Rock anymore. Johnson no oh um Dwayne Brandon never did Frazier Brandon Frazier yes you remember the movie Bedazzled yeah the, the, wait, the Rock was in the mummy he was in the Scorpion King and oh, the, that the Mummy one. 3, Duh. I think yeah, it was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was, yeah, that really horribly CGI'd Scorpion yep, dude. Because yep. that was the Scorpion King after he yep. turned into that. But it was it was, it was Brendan Fraser we're talking about. He, he did so well doing what he's doing, but um, where I was going with that, and just kind of had a brain fart. Oh, no, that movie. That, that movie perfectly illustrates an individual who is trying their best to find their place yeah and given a, a power of choice to have the ability of changing that in order to enjoy their life by having that essential tool helps them to learn and educate themselves to become a better stronger person with not just themselves but their outward look on life to appreciate the not so good forthcomings and the yeah you know the values that are there that are already there that are overlooked and the entire movie represents a guy who is so well in tuned with himself that he's never really just been appreciated by other people by being himself, by, by expressing himself in the way that he does. But he also tries to go about it the wrong way by doing the things that actually bother people, hmm. probably not even knowing it himself. Because he's so pure and genuine and empathetic and legitimate that he doesn't truly realize that what he's doing or what he's broadcasting is actually annoying people because these people don't truly they're not truly trying to be his friend they're not trying to appreciate right. who he is as right. who he is so he was it she um the chick who played the devil had expressed to him i know everything about you uh i know that you go home at night and you eat your tv dinner you eat your popcorn you stare at tv and then you cry yourself to sleep every night yeah, I remember that scene. Yeah. And he starts getting emotional, and he's all like, oh, you, you know that, huh? Like, and, But in outside of that outlook, he's this, I want to be your friend. I want to laugh about things. I want to be humble and loved and appreciated and respected, and nobody likes him. You know, I got to admit, though, that's such a beautiful thing to see, even in a character work like that, because stuff like that is so hard to find in the real world 
people that are broken so much internally that they're able to cry themselves to sleep and do that but at the same time they flip that switch every morning every single day they persevere and go out and they try to make more friends and they try to be happy and they try to to do positive things in their lives they don't let that negativeness get to them but at the end of the day that that, that that film alone can broadcast like the people who he worked with could have been a little bit more forthcoming and sat down with him or pulled him aside and was like, hey man, like mm. we do and don't like this. You shouldn't have to be like this. You can be yourself, but there's a level of you don't have to try so hard. You don't have to do this. Like we're your friend, we give a shit, you know, we do this, we do that. And they could have helped him grow. They could have helped him see things. They could have helped him still love himself and be himself, but understand the level of degree of what's okay, what's not okay, depending on the situation. Mm. And to know that it, it's okay to be himself, that it wasn't an attack. You know, but it, ha- it took an instance of him running into the devil and offering him wishes yeah. in order for him to learn that himself, to be put in a position where he is the sole atten- attention. He- he's the main person in that story every time a wish is fulfilled. But the devil, like we all know, is supposed to be maniacal, just like some, some genies or jinns exist to a point where they go oh okay you didn't elaborate this and they're like I didn't wish for that da 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 it's the exact same aspect yeah and it took all the way up until he had been through so much of it and you saw him change and grow through each instance where he finally just told the devil I don't don't want my last wish I don't care about it anymore because you can't give me what I want Hmm. and then he 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 get he, he it took him up to that point to realize that everything that he thought he wanted it was just a facade. It was all in his head. That he truly was okay with who he was. You just right. needed to grow and understand things more. <coughs> and instead right. of having friends or a relationship or family or whoever it was to guide him the proper way and have him be how he was, it took an instance of evil to intervene and go, okay, so here's your, your choice. I'm not one on religion, obviously, you know that. But I believe that representation of human growth, understanding, observation, out of box... Um, personal growth in many ways than one is a really good solid representation of that of that film yeah that's why I feel that that film was severely underappreciated because I believe that a lot of people can learn just a lot from it yeah and he was a great actor coming personally from uh, personal experience here I yeah there's a lot of things that we think we know and we think we're capable of doing that we don't realize we simply are not like thinking that we can get somewhere at the end of the day thinking that we can obtain that goal or thinking that we can make this outcome turn out this certain way and oh oh given you enough know, I, time i can make this happen i can't tell you how many times this way in my life it just doesn't happen i've pulled people aside like that and i sat down with them and I've offered them a beer or a smoke or a walk or something. Mm-hmm. And I have bold-facedly been like, yo, you don't need to be like this. And then they get shocked with, nobody's ever said that to me. Well, what do you mean? Are you? And they get defensive or upset. Like, you don't know me. Why are you telling me? You know, whatever. And it's like, look, like it's you don't have to be like this. Like, I see through the bullshit. <laughs> I see through the fakeness. Yeah. Because you're trying to adapt, but your ad- adaptation is still in an outward view still very much out in the open like you can still see through it 
nobody says anything because they don't give shit enough to actually say, hey, man, like, you don't need to do this. You don't need to act like this. You don't need to talk about this. People are really scared to let everyone else see the man behind the curtain. Mm-hmm. But then there's the opposite of those who truly see what it is that they do. And they don't necessarily care what other people think. Mm-hmm. And those are the reclusive... Um, what are those def- def- uh, defining factors of a person that makes a person on how they interact with themselves around that outside world? You have people who are... You have people who are outgoing. Um, oh, no, though, there's other... Def- um, there, there's a word that represents reclusive nature and an outward personality type nature. Oh, I have other things to call Introverts. Introverts and, and, yes, and extroverts. You have introverts, extroverts, and omniverts. Mm-hmm. And... A lot of people who do bullshitting are one of those three factors. And less more in the middle ground and more of the right or the left. Right. People who I believe are omniverts love the tidbits of both because they've had that experience, but they prefer to main and remain in the middle because they like the option the option to choose. So they don't get bored because they have more options. Are created. Mm-hmm. Like it's a grown experience to get to that point. Yep. To either you either stay in one place or you move to another or etc. Right. I can understand that. Sometimes really being really quiet and getting in your own head is really good, but it's the ability to know when to break out of that and become really outgoing and really outspoken and be the life of parties and be the center for people to pay attention See, to that, because people the, need that at some that's degree. A common but being able to flip that and turn that back and just go back to being like, I need my quiet time, I need my space. confusion, misconception is trying to understand truly what a person has been through, why they are the way they are, and what makes a person the way that they are. Yeah. And it has a lot to do with those experiences. That's why when you grow up and you're a kid, You've always heard in books and movies and family and friends that always respect your elders because they're wisest. Well, because they've been through a lot of shit. Right. They've been through a lot more than you have because they've been around a lot more than you have. They've already had, you know, the 31 flavors of life. <laughs> they've met the bullshitters. They've been the yeah, bullshitters. They've been the liars. They've been the truth tellers. They've been the storytellers. They've been the experienced people. They've been the near-death experiences. They've been the... I've been on my highs, I've been on my lows, I've had my adventures, and I've had my stalemates. Mm-hmm. And a lot of older folks have that experience. That's why the advice of that integrated family, family-esque white picket fence American style outlook of family is such an important value because every family truly believes that what they believe and what they do and what they broadcast is the right thing. Right. Or you have the common families, which is now existing now, which they have proven statistically common white American Christian or white picket fence family yes, uh, you know family style or outlook is extinct because there's so much broken things out there there's so much more things out there that are I don't care like like the people who shoot up schools or the people who murder each other and rob stores and mug people on the street like there are more of those things and then you have people who are homeless like the conversations I have with people who are homeless it's not technically 90% of the time. It's not because of choice, because mm. I just gave up. There it's it, There was a situation in my life that put me in this position. <laughs> like, I just wanted a cardboard box. I was and really tired just, of mattresses. They, people, some people just, they don't care enough to kill themselves every day to feed the need of that growing world that exists outside. Right. So they would rather just hunker down in a corner somewhere and try to get whatever they can get to just live their life. 
And some people, like the ones who are drunk or have been through like military experiences or everyone in the family's passed away and they're just depressed and they don't have the courage to commit suicide, sometimes they're just waiting to sit in a corner in that cardboard box, scraping whatever they can scrape by and then just pass away because they already know that people don't care. I mean, I feel bad for people like that too. And I wouldn't say that it takes courage to commit suicide, although I guess to some degree it probably does, but... I believe there's, there's an edge. I, I, I believe... There's an edge that everybody can I possibly I believe that reach. there's an opposite to those words. I believe that it's courage to live life, and it's weakness to commit suicide. It's, it's the ultimate... But you can't convince I'm a person... Scared. You can't convince a person who's already committed suicide, obviously, because they can't interact with no, people anymore. It's, what it's they the chose ultimate, wasn't really necessarily the right way about doing it's things. It's the ultimate cowardice act. To stop, to give up, to go on the bench is never an, a, a, an, an acceptable alternative. Like, you, you take yourself out of the equation entirely. We don't know if there's anything else. We don't know if there's any reset. We literally only have one chance at anything we ever do, anytime, ever. So, just because... You know, some men's laws have standards set into place that are that are keeping things in a position that they are right now. It doesn't mean that things can't turn around. That it doesn't mean a little bit extra hard work on your part could get you into a better position. It might seem unfair that you have to work harder than other people have to work necessarily, but I can compare that statement. Everybody's life life is an entirely separate occurrence. My life, I've never been proud. It's like no two snowflakes are the same. No two people's lives are the same. I was never raised properly. I learned a lot of stuff on the street, and I've been through a lot of stuff. I went through juvie. I went through the system. I've been in the foster care system. I've right. been into fistfights. I've stolen things. I've lied to people. I've used people. I've been that manipulative person because of those pains and those experiences and how some people are brought up and what they feel is right and what is wrong, and they don't have the proper guidance or because of their experiences or PTSD or fears or whatever it may be, truly envelops a person for who they end up becoming. That's why you have your serial killers, you have your rapists, you have your murderers, you have your thieves, your thieveries, and those people envelop depending on their atmosphere and who they're around and how they absorb their information and then how they broadcast that to the world because that's how, the, that's how they were taught. Right. right and wrong. Look at the story between Ted Bundy. He had a great upbringing. Perfect. Christian family, went to church all the time, yep. um, had everything he needed, nice home, nice neighborhood, yep. wanted to be a politician, wanted to become something, but there was something about him that people just didn't like. Yeah, Didn't he have those tapes that he recorded? And he recorded his thoughts on those tapes? Oh yeah, the thing on Netflix, yeah. I watched oh, that, that I, I saw some of that, man, that's crazy. Mm-hmm. Like, he's talking about the courtroom? And he's talking about how he was like, like he was a very, I like I've sat there and I've measured everything out. Like he's talking about measuring the distance with his eyes to the window, the distance down to the ground, how we need to do this, how we need to do that, all these things for set up. People. And then he fucking goes and does it. Mm-hmm. And he does it exactly like he for mentioned some, on the tapes. Like he planned for some that out. People in the world. That was crazy. Even though they may have had a good upbringing something trips in their head but these aren't stupid people though that was some ingenious level yes, shit like yes. you you, pre- you pre-planned it, it you planned the escape you set it up all these people it are involved be, in everything I mean, one minute he's there argued. the next minute he's outside the window and he's gone it can be argued like like, like nowadays they that's say that's not a fool's errand <laughs> nowadays they say that people who are serial killers don't technically learn this experience and become what they are because of that that some are just born into that 
lack of whatever power they have in their mind or that empathy that is supposed to be there. I think at some point reality breaks people. Or, or in the opposite spectrum, you become so well aware of the world and so well inter- integrated with yourself and that's so intelligent breaking. that you are so out of box that you want to feel something different. And the only way to truly feel something different is to commit the ultimate taboo. I mean, some some serial killers out there have that lack of empathy because there was so much of it. It's like when you fill a cup up. But there's 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 plenty other things out there that you could do to get yourself in a different level. But that always comes down to murdering somebody goes down to removing life from the earth. Like there's all kinds of other adventures and stuff out there that people need to accomplish, like curing cancer or going to see Mars or anything like that. Like you can dedicate yourself to one of these things. Think of that think of that doggy dog world we live in. There's, you know, 7.5 billion people on the planet and it's ever growing it's up to and now. everybody's looking out for themselves and trying to do them. No, no one really has any time out of their day to go out of their, their day to help other people unless it's a, a job requirement or that's who they are as a personality. I disagree. I think that people do have time to go out of their day, their way to help each other each day. It's just that we don't make time. We work an eight hour day. Average people work an eight hour day, nine to five. <coughs> Usually. Right? That's 16 more hours in the day. What are you doing for the other 16? You sleep for eight of them, presumably, anywhere from six to eight hours. Well, let's say the healthy amount of sleep for a person to function correctly is around seven to eight hours. Yeah, so if you're sleeping for six to eight hours, so let's just say eight, we'll cut another eight out. So eight working, eight sleeping. What you doing for the next eight hours? Either you're working more because you want to get ahead of everyone else. So while that dude's not working those extra eight hours, this guy is working those extra eight hours, and therefore that guy's pulling in double the income than that guy is over there. Mm-hmm. That guy's gonna go ahead a lot further, a lot quicker, if he's smarter with that double income income coming in, than this dude over here that's just not doing anything for those extra eight hours. Mm-hmm. Or this dude could be over here for those extra eight hours, you know, being kind and, and doing donations and, and giving his time to other people and going out of his way to do things for others and get ahead in that way. Like, you know, become a known figure for that and, and become really genuine and stuff in his community or for whatever he wants to do. And it could have a completely separate, different reaction to it. In fact, that, even that might get him more ahead than the other guy working two jobs, busting his ass. I've been that guy. But the two thing is, is that there's that extra eight hours. If you're working, you're sleeping, there's 16 hours gone, you've got eight hours left eight hours to do stuff with you're either sleeping away those eight hours you're smoking away those eight hours you're drinking away those eight hours playing games away those eight hours or you're doing something I mean, else some, something I mean, productive or to some push of our best ahead minds, of the next guy next of, to you some of not. our best minds in the world that exist today that are in that one percent that make a lot of money and you know they got a business they're running or a corporation or mm-hmm. they're a CEO or I don't know, whatever it would be that gives them that, that power to give them that high rate of income because of the work that they do are the people who do only sleep four hours a day, who only worry about work and think about work because that's the that's their taboo, that's their drive is to just work because that's what they're good at and that's what they enjoy. <laughs> There's this one book uh, called The 4-Hour Workday, actually. Um, it was getting a lot of traction uh, recently and a while back. But it talks about only working four hours a day. That we spend so much of our time 
working and doing things and stressing ourselves out each day that we forget to live. And then when we look up from the books, we realize that a year has passed, six months have passed, three years have passed. Like you don't know where the time goes. Like it's halfway, it literally is almost six months now into 2019. Motherfucker, it was just Christmas. Yeah. Like I just built this computer for what seems like a few weeks ago. It is now six months ago. What and the older the you fuck, get, the faster time Where did fly. that time go? How did it fly that fast? Like Because you were focused on things. You're f- so focused on what it is that you were doing that makes you happy. And that's, that, that's that not a good thing, though. Because it, it's not that it's like making me happy in, in the immediate moment. I think it is, but I'm pushing all my efforts towards something, and I'm not actually living any of my life or time. That, that is, that's another argument all on its own, to which it's, it's, it's a good thing to get into. But... The point of the book is that there's a four-hour workday, and there's a lot of people that, that profess that school of thought that you should only be working four hours a day, and then during that four hours, you should be busting some incredible ass. You should be having a list. You should be banging shit out left and right. You should really focus on priority things. You should make sure that you knock out a couple of really good things every day, but you're only working for four hours, and then you're done, and then you go and you do other things, and you get to relax. You get to enjoy time with other people. You get to smile and live and be happy and socialize and just be in the moment because it's all we have is this moment we don't know about the future we don't know if we have tomorrow it's true we only know what we have today that's what the four hour work yeah but some people are about. so driven in what they're doing they don't they don't make time to think of those awkward things because that's they either bring some type of depressive stance or they're, it serves no purpose it's not putting money in their pocket yep. it's not making them smile I mean, who's, who's going to go with every day with someone who doesn't have a vehicle dwelling on the fact that whatever movie they watched or whatever story that they heard was, you know, car crash after car crash after car crash after car yeah. crash. You know, a person who's going to look at every day with the fact that I need to be on guard and take that extra time in order to be that worry wart is a person who's going to live every day in some happier aspect. Isn't going to think, oh, you know, the rate is so low, you know, it couldn't possibly happen to me. Right. Then you have those people who are obsessive, those people who are OCD or, or worry warts or whatever people it is, are, who can't live a happy life because they're afraid of everything. People are more concerned about getting onto an airplane thinking that they're going to crash and die because of the random stories that they've heard about how tragic it is. Because human beings remember the amount of tragedy, the size of the tragedy, the devastation of the tragedy. They don't remember every individual tragedy, though. The bigger the tragedy, the more likely they'll remember it. So if a 747 goes down and, and like, fucking 150 people die, you remember it. The next time you get on the 747, you think, fuck, I might be in that next 150. But you don't realize, statistically speaking, it, you are far more likely to get into a car accident every day you step foot inside your car and drive out the parking lot than you ever are to, in, in an airplane. Mm-hmm. Statistically speaking, it is incredibly rare to get into a plane crash. If you do, you're very unlucky. And it's like 10 times more easier to get hit by a car randomly just because. And maybe live out of it. Like we don't even think about that. We don't we don't think we don't bat an eye twice about getting into our cars. But we we always have a bit of a hesitation on a plane like everybody feels the same thing like man, I'm going up in the sky. I got no control right now. This thing could go down and I'm fucked. It's like, if we're in a car, what are we thinking? Like, we have airbags and stuff that we can check. Maybe they won't go off. 
maybe I can jump out the door before I hit or something. I don't know. You don't know. You get hit by 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 a Mack truck or whatever on the driver's side, completely pancake you. Like you just don't know. But we don't have that same level of fear walking into a car that we do walking into a plane movie. And everybody's got that level to some degree, but we just don't have it when it comes to something that's statistically more likely to fuck us up than something that's not. But it's the, the, the pure size and the devastation of this small number compared to this large number. And the large number, these just happen every day, random things here and there, but... The big ones is what really matters. It's what really sticks with us in our head. We don't think about the small ones, even though they're far more likely and far more frequent every single day. Yeah. It's kind of interesting, like, twists in our heads that, the, that our brains naturally tend to gravitate towards the larger aspects in life, and we ignore the little things. And the little things are what really matter, though. It's true. Hmm. I like this. This has been a nice talk on bullshit. Oh, and more than that. Reflecting, that's usually how it always unfolds, huh? Yeah, reflecting on to coming down to the averageness of tragedy in our lives and what we're more likely to be a part of. <laughs> yeah.